bhakti is embedded in the earliest of Vedic texts, the Shruti texts, which are considered direct revelations that came into the world with creation itself. There is the, there's something called the Purusha, the uh, Purusha avatar, the, the supreme person. So Krishna is not mentioned by name, but there's a supreme being reference in the very earliest Vedic texts. So, and the giving of oneself to that Purusha is described there. So bhakti is implicit in the very, very earliest text. The development of a theology, of a library of bhakti texts, which is what we have here at the end of this commentary by Prabhupada, that emerged over time. The big resurgence of writing there was in the uh, 1500s and 1600s by uh, the six sages known as the Goswamis of Vrindavan. They were disciples of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and they wrote immense literature going into the depth and the details of bhakti and describing all these different various stages of the reawakening of love of God and the different kinds of love of God. As we were describing earlier when we were chanting the Gopal mantra, that God is child, God is lover, God is friend, the different varieties that can emerge. All of that came with the Goswami writings in the 16th century. And then since then, there's been an ex expansion. It's there also in earlier texts, the writings of Madhvacharya, which I think is 12th century, uh, Ramanujacharya, 13th century, and um, other great acharyas or enlightened teachers, uh, men and women, over the, over the centuries. So they actually have written texts that they have found. Oh, yes. Yeah, no, this isn't just something new that started with Prabhupada, no, you know, when he published his Bhagavad Gita. Well, in the, uh, originally, was it originally a oral thing that came? Yes, the, exactly. Sort of like exactly. The disciples did with the, with, yeah. uh, the, the Bible? Yeah, that's so called... writing their version of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's the Evam Parampara that's described in the first part of this fourth chapter. By oral tradition, it was passed down, and in prior ages you know intelligence wasn't always as dull as it is now I and mean, we eat stupid food and we have stupid heads and and we can't retain anything if you don't write it i don't know about you guys but if i don't write it down forget about it in prior ages intelligence was so sharp you know the conditions of life were so pure and beautiful and all food was organic and natural you know you didn't need to buy a whole foods carrot for ten dollars that hearing once from a, a realized teacher, a disciple would retain that knowledge. That disciple would then mature in his or her spiritual life and become a guru and take disciples and it would be passed on generation to generation. Yes? So just getting back to the deities now, um, I think there's a reaction, of course, in the Judeo-Christian world where de you don't worship false idols, which maybe Correct. deities might seem right. to be, but they're really not mm -hmm. within the Krishna world. It's mm -hmm. it's just a part. It's not like you're worshiping an idol, you know, in the it's it's right. something different than right. that, I think. Yeah, quite different. I mean if you go back to the first idol, which is the golden calf. Right. You know, that was the greatest possible insult to divinity mm -hmm. <laughs> was saying, Fooey on you 
where are you? We gotta, we're gonna make our own religion. And they melted gold and created a calf and worshiped that calf. That's a moving away from the Supreme. That focus, that's man-made. That's, that, that's from imperfect human imagination. Right, and it's also right? back when, more in the time where you would worship a tree or there were different gods okay, now, the sun. And the, yeah. you know, which, if you, you go know, to... The God was like a progress yeah. from those days where there were... Sure. You would worship all different... Well, we have to make a distinction here between idolatry and um, shamanistic traditions, for example, where a tree becomes the repository of a spirit or a sacred artifact or item, like a, a, a totem of some kind, becomes the conduit for certain natural energies. That's a different thing. That's not, that's not idolatry. That's a communing with nature through various intermediaries, forms, features, natural objects that become the, the residing place of that mm -hmm. spirit. The objections are when that's an item, an article that is man-made is positioned as God. That's, that's idolatry, and that's what the the missionaries were responding to when they looked at the deities in the temples and they saw people worshiping deities mm -hmm. it's like this is right it this is that way with them right that's now what became primitive they thought of it as that's right primitive. so they were equating archana the vigraha the form of divinity in the on the altar in the temple with an idol over the course of time the, this very elegant and refined art of archavigraha, the worship of the embodiment of divinity, became articulated in sacred texts. And there's a very, very carefully delineated style and, 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 and art to the proper formation. First of all, you're not even allowed to create a deity of, let's say, Radha and Krishna until you've gone through years and years and years of proper training. Mm -hmm. And it's the, the text described that the deity, the Archi Vishnu Shaladiya Gurushu Naramatir Vaishnavi Jatibuti, one who sees the archa form, the deity form, as an idol, is living in hell. Mm -hmm. they're, they're missing the, the beauty and the, and the excitement of this form of meditation on divinity. Mm -hmm. A authorized qualified sculptor or painter the deity can also be in the form of a painting a painter of the form of deity because in some temples instead of a, a, a marble deity for example there'll be a painting that's worshipped that devotee artist would never wash his or her paintbrushes in a bathroom just to give you an idea before you begin working on either forming a, a deity from stone or precious metals or painting a form for worship installation on the altar, you shower, you put on fresh dress, you offer prayers. There's a frame of mind that's established. And that deity has to be properly installed according to very elaborate ritual. And that even the attendants in the temples when the British entered India, were not trained to understand that. Even the pujaris, the temple attendants, 
were unable to properly represent and explain to the British what they were doing. So that's why this alternative of let's just get rid of it came in. 